When God calls you to deliver a hard message to someone, you're to do it, but that's not always easy to do, is it? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. How many times have you been brought to a place where you had to deliver a hard message and you didn't? The answer to that is repent because God's going to give you another chance. And if God gives you a hard message, deliver it in love. But follow Elijah's example. Speak the truth in love. We tell the truth to our friends and we lie to our enemies. We tell the truth to the ones that we love and we lie as a sign that we don't love. That just got the room really heavy. But it's a revelation of our heart, isn't it? As believers, we need to speak the truth. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Aren't you glad there are people in the Bible that we can identify with and relate to? Ordinary men and women, but God used them in tremendous ways. One such person is Elijah. And over the course of the next few days on Abounding Grace, we'll get to know this prophet of God on a whole new level. Today, Pastor Ed Taylor will open up 1 Kings 17 and draw attention to a few things in Elijah's life story that we can learn a great deal from. The first is, he knew God personally. So if you're taking notes, let's jot a few things down about Elijah. I want you to remember as we study through the various parts of his life, just a few things that we want to look at. Number one, Elijah knew God personally. Even in the Old Covenant, he had a relationship with God. He knew him personally. He says back in verse 1, as the Lord God of Israel lives. He describes God in life. God is alive and active. He served a living God, not a dead God like Baal. Not a dead God like Asherah, just idols made of wood and perversity. And like Job, he could say with confidence, because Job had the same relationship. In Job 19, verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. He had a relationship. He knew God. Number two, Elijah was a man of prayer. And isn't that a revival in our church? More and more I'm watching this with my own eyes. Seeing prayer. Hearing prayer. Stopping to pray. Taking things to the Lord in prayer. Developing lives of prayer. Asking God for things in prayer. Taking people to God in prayer. Laying our lives down in prayer. And, and let me show you. Turn over to James chapter 5. And I'm praying that you continue to catch the vision. I was just reading in my devotions this morning in Isaiah. Where in Isaiah it speaks of the house of the Lord being a house of prayer. It's where Jesus quoted when he came in. And he said, he quoted Isaiah and he said, my house should be called a house of prayer. And I don't think it's just the building, although it was referring to the temple, but it's the life of prayer. That, that we are to be known for prayer. That we are to be talking to God, walking with God. Elijah prayed. Notice in chapter 5 of James, 
in verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. He was a praying man earnestly, earnestly. He was a man of prayer earnestly. The earnest prayer is prayer that is glowing hot. That's where the original word comes from. It's a prayer of energy, working, active, operative. Aren't you glad that James doesn't say in verse 17, Elijah was a superman of great faith? Because then we couldn't relate to him. The Bible doesn't say that Elijah was a special man that you will never be. But study him because you might be something like him one day. He says, no, man, you, you know, by the time James is written, Elijah's life has come and gone. He's in the presence of the Lord. So when James is writing, he says, you know what? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Elijah, you know, oh yeah, Elijah called down fire, made it rain, called and stopped the rain. He was with Ahab, looked him in the face. I mean, that man was just like you. That's what James says. He's just like us. And what made him special and what made him strong was God. It was the God of Elijah. He was just a frail human man like us. Just like Paul would tell the Corinthians, you know your calling, he says, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. Not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. It's, as you hang around this particular fellowship, but I, I believe it's true in churches all throughout our city, as you get to know people, you, you probably become shocked that God's using them as you get to know them and you get to know their background. I mean, that's why the Bible says don't be hypercritical and hyperjudgmental when you meet people. Because you, you have these stereotypes, you have these predictions of who are the people that God uses, which, which also kind of makes you surprised that God uses you with your background. That's crazy. And, and yet, at the same time, you, 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 you look at someone, you go, I can't believe God uses them, and then you use the same thing, but opposite on you, God can never use me. But neither are true. God uses all of us. We're, we're not, many of us are not wise. Some of us are. It doesn't say not any, it just says not many. And so some of you are so well-educated. You know, you, you, you're listening to me on how many years it took me to get an associate's and you're a degree. You know how long it took me to get my degree, man? You know how long I had to study? Yeah, you worked hard. It doesn't say not any. Some of you have incredible intelligence and you do amazing things because of how God created you. That's where God wants to use you. But not many. Not many. Not many of us. It's true in Corinth and it's true in the northern kingdom of Israel and it's true today. Elijah was a Tishbite, a rugged, rough dude. Grew up in a rugged area. And yet God used him and called him. Now, we studied this in depth in James, so I'm not going to go into it. You can listen to the Bible study on the app or online. But let me give you four things of fervent prayer, earnest prayer. You know, if you want to look at earnest prayer and, and you want to go, man, I, well, what is it then? What, what can I add to my prayer life? How, how can I just, what, what is it about earnest or fervent or prayer with energy? Well, no, here, here's some help in your prayer life. If you're struggling and extending your prayer life. Number one, pray the promises of God. Open the Bible and start praying the promises of God. 
Basically, just pray through the scriptures. Like, for example, how would you do this with James 5? Well, in James 5, 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know, God, thank you for reminding me that you used people like Elijah, and he was just like me. And then begin to talk to God. And you know who I am, Lord. You know what I'm struggling with. You know what I woke up with. God, would you forgive me? Uh, would you, would you, Elijah just reminds me, man, you used him such great ways. I want to be used like that, God. And you're just praying through the scriptures. That's all it says. Elijah was a man like you. And then you, and he prayed earnestly. Well, Lord, you know I've been wanting to pray more. I'm praying to you right now, God. I used to, you know, I'm, I'm on my way to, uh, to work on I-25. And I used to just turn on talk radio. But now, God, you see my heart is for you. And you're just talking in earnest and just giving yourself praying through. The, now, it would be hard to pray through the scriptures while you're driving. Uh, so I'm not advocating that. Um, but maybe you could put a little um, three-by-five card there. Or you could have an audio Bible. Play it, stop it. Play it and stop it with your... Uh, there's different ways that you can pray through the scriptures. Number two... Pray specifically. Be very precise in asking God. God, would you please save the world? Because your Bible says that you so love the world. And, and that's a great prayer. But man, if you want to zero in on laser, pray, God, would you please save my mom? You know the hurt that she carries and you know the pain that she's been through and you know, the anger that she is feeling, right? Would you, would you do a work in my mom's heart? Would you use me to do a work in my mom's heart? And you begin to pray specifically, and then you begin to look for specific answers. And you begin to see, man, mom was soft that day. And you begin to thank God, man, usually mom, man, she throws a pan at me, but this time she didn't throw a pan at me. She hugged me. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, mom, are you all? No, 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 why am I saying that, God? I've been praying for this. And the Lord encourages you. Start praying for your boss, praying for your professor, praying for specific. God, I need X, Y, Z, and 30 cents. I need that amount. God, I need that amount. You said, according to your word, you provide for all of my need, and this is what I need, Lord. And begin to pray specifically. Thirdly, pray earnestly. And that it reminds me of uh, in Luke chapter 18, in verse 1, where it says we, we, uh, it says we ought, of, ought always to pray and not lose heart. And just earnestly, on fire. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be crazy. And, uh, I mean, some of you tonight in your prayer groups were praying earnestly. It may not come out emotionally. You may not have fire coming out of your ears. That's not, that's not the point. You're, man, this prayer, you, some of you prayed a prayer that you've been praying for years tonight. That's earnestly. Same prayer, but you're not quitting because you trust God. And waiting on him to answer is driving you closer to him. Number four, pray persistently. And they, it goes together with earnestly. You pray persistently. The idea of not quitting, the idea of steadying on, the idea of trusting God, the idea of faith being built. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Prayer is a release of that unto the Lord. As we were reading in our devos with our staff this morning, in James chapter 1, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, without reproach, without showing partiality, without... Everybody can ask, every believer can ask God for wisdom, and every believer will receive it. That's what James is saying. Listen closely as we wind down. Mark this. Don't forget this. You'll see it personally. You'll see it in your family. And we have definitely seen it in our church over the last year. 
Mark this. You ready? Write it down. Write it on your hand. Write it on your neighbor's forehead. Whatever you got to do, write this down. Don't forget this. You'll forget it, but God will remind you. And I quote, Whenever you seek to pray, there will always be resistance. Whenever you want to pray, there's always going to be a fight, a battle, a wrestling over your prayer time. Seeking to pray effectively won't be easy, and it won't be without tension and resistance. All kinds of spiritual warfare is unleashed on the person who sets their hearts towards seeking the will of God on earth. All sorts of spiritual warfare, weird, wicked, crazy thoughts. A phone rings and you don't even have a phone. <laughs> You're like, what's going on? You live in an apartment and you begin to pray and there's this crazy thing happening in the apartment next to you. You thought the walls were thick enough. They're not. You begin to pray and doubts come in. You begin to pray and you lose heart. You begin to pray and you condemn yourself. You begin to pray. I mean, you have to understand, we pray. One of the prayer points was that adversary, the devils, roaming about, looking whom he may devour. And some of the people he's looking for are prayers. Prayers, P-R-A-Y, with a dash, E-R-S. <laughs> prayers, people, men and women that seek to pray. And even as in our own fellowship, as we've turned the corner in our church and emphasized prayer, there's been a lot of resistance, a lot of warfare, a lot of craziness. I haven't, as a pastor and as, as a, a shepherd, I haven't regretted the work of God in prayer. I haven't regretted it. But I've been tired. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. But with prayer, things get surfaced. With prayer, things get answered. With prayer, God begins to work spiritually in a powerful way. Prayer, prayer, pray earnestly. A great and effective door is open for me, Paul, but there are many adversaries. Or the New Living Translation says, there are many who oppose me. You begin to pray, there will be many that oppose you. And you just gotta press on. Press on. What's the effective way to handle opposition? More prayer. Not less. More prayer. You know, when you're praying, you're usually, you're usually in a place drawing near to God, not away from God. You're usually not praying on your way to a party. Lord, I hope when I get drunk tonight and I get really crazy that I don't get really crazy. You're usually not praying like that. You're usually praying, you know, Lord, thank you for the strength to say no to that invitation. And I just pray for my friend that he'll come to his senses and he'll make it home safe tonight and he won't drive drunk and kill someone on his way home. Lord, would you please be with them because my, heart is, my heart's broken over this. Prayer puts you in the right place and you can always pray at the right time. Okay, a couple more things with Elijah and then we're done. Number three, number three. We already saw in Elijah's life, number one, he knew God. Number two, he was a man of prayer. Number three, Elijah faithfully delivered the message. <laughs> he was faithful to deliver his message. We're going to learn in Elijah's life that when God gave him a difficult message to deliver, he did it. He comes right here in, in the beginning of 1 Kings and he says, you know, it's not going to rain. It's going to be really hard for a few years. God's judgment's coming upon you. It's going to get hard in your apostate, rebellious, pagan kingdom, Ahab. And it wasn't an easy message to deliver. It could have been off with his head right there. 
but he did it. How many times have you been brought to a place where you had to deliver a hard message and you didn't? Well, the answer to that is repent because God's going to give you another chance. And if God gives you a hard message, deliver it in love. But follow Elijah's example. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. We tell the truth to our friends. Listen, write this down. We tell the truth to our friends and we lie to our enemies. We tell the truth to the ones that we love and we lie as a sign that we don't love. Now that's heavy. That just got the room really heavy. But it's a revelation of our heart, isn't it? As believers, we need to speak the truth. God's spirit of truth lives in us. To not speak the truth is to not live according to the spirit but according to the flesh. Number four, Elijah was a man of faith and obedience. We can be men and women of faith and obedience too. We're going to learn from his life the tremendous trust that he had in God. And it was only bolstered by his obedience. It, it was, you know, our, our faith and trust in God is undermined by disobedience. But when we obey, no matter the price, no matter the cost, we are bolstered in our relationship with the Lord. We become stronger well, and we know that confronting someone and talking to someone about something difficult isn't easy. How do you think, if, you know, if you can't talk to a friend about something hard, how do you think it would be to be given a message to the king of the nation? I mean, already we're going to be all nervous. I mean, if you and I were given an invitation to the White House, we would be nervous. I know right now some of you, I would not be nervous. You'd be nervous. You got guys up on the roof with sniper rifles and the secret service and all of it, man. You just, and stuff you've never seen before. And you're walking in and you're like, whoa, where am I going? And they got you all the way. And you, you'd be nervous. Your heart, and, and you would probably try to put on face, I'm all right. But if we did your heart thing, like your heart would be, whoa, man, I can't believe I'm here. But imagine, that's just to see the Oval Office. Nobody's even in there. And then on the way, as you're walking through the West Wing or whatever, on the way, God says, I've got a message for you to give to the president. Tell him his days are numbered. Oh, yeah, how are you feeling now? I don't care what president it is. This Bible study will, will be through many presidencies, so there's no president in mind right now. But can you imagine telling the president, you know what, your days are numbered, and you're, I mean, you're just like, I don't know, I don't know. I just want to see, I just, just want him to take a picture with me. That's all I want, man. <laughs> It's hard enough just to take a picture. Elijah, I mean, to the best of our ability, he's standing before the most wicked king to date to speak on behalf of God. That's the key, on behalf of God. And he tells him with faith and obedience. And even then, as soon as he did it, and as there was victory over the, as we'll see, victory over the prophets of Baal, he runs away and lives in obscurity. I mean, he's, he's a man that was a man of faith and obedience, and even then, his faith and obedience was undermined by his emotions, and we'll get to that. It's going to be a real cool, exciting study. Uh, we're, we're not going to... I haven't planned on going too slow in Elijah uh, in, in the next few chapters of Kings. I, I don't know how fast we'll go. We'll just let the Spirit of God help us. We might pause and emphasize certain things, or we might go through chapter by chapter, but the, the Lord knows what we need to learn from the life of Elijah. 
But I'll say this for those listening in. Knowing God is very important. Knowing God is very important. You were created to know God. You were created to have a relationship with him. You were created in God's image. And yet by sin, so many are separated from God. Living lives independent of their creator. Every one of us have sinned against God. Every single one of us. And broken his commandments time and time again. But God loved us so much and demonstrated that love by sending his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, for your sin and mine. They took him down off that cross and they buried him and they placed him in a tomb. And three days later he rose again and he's alive today. The very reason we can study Elijah is because of the work and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And today the Lord's saying, today's the Lord's saying, he does this to a church. He does this illustration to a church. He tells a church this. I stand at the door and knock. And if you open, I'll come in. I stand at the door and knock. He says, church, if you really want to be serious, then let me in. Let me into your life. Let me into your thoughts. But even more so, there's an illustration here. There's an illustration here like your heart, your, your, who you are. God says, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. Let me in. No more lives of independence. He said, let me forgive you of your sins. Let me transform your life. Allow me in. God will not force himself upon you. He won't force you to do something that you refuse, that you resist. As you resist his grace, just like the children of Israel did when Jesus came, he looked over the city and he spoke of their resistance to him. Ultimately, resistance led to their rejection of him. And ultimately, their rejection of him would lead many to live apart from him in, for all of eternity, like to live a life separate from God. And you might say today, well, Ed, you know, I'll take my chances, Pastor. I'll take my chances. Well, you don't need to even think of it that way. You don't need to take your chances. I'll tell you what your chances are. You have zero chance of living in the presence of God the rest of your life apart from Jesus Christ. Zero chance. You don't even need to say, I'll take my chances as if, you, as if there's some small way that you might find yourself in a right relationship with God after living a life of rejecting him. But there's a 100% chance. There's a 100% chance of you living with God forever and experience the forgiveness of your sins even right now if you will repent and you will surrender to him today. Knocking on the door. Jesus says, let me in. Well, maybe God is knocking on the door of your heart even as we speak. Let him in, won't you? And you'll be forever glad you did. Today on Abounding Grace, we learned a few things about Elijah. He knew God personally. He was a man of prayer, faithful to deliver the message, and a man of faith and obedience. God, help us to be the same. If you'd like to hear this message from Ed Taylor again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through our app and our podcast. Search for Ed Taylor in your favorite app store and wherever you get your podcasts. 
Each month, we pick out a book we think you'll enjoy and that can really serve to help you grow in God's abounding grace. This month, it's A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 by Philip Keller. As a shepherd himself, Philip Keller shares insights into the life and character of sheep and of the Good Shepherd who loves and cares for them. I think you'll walk away from it greatly encouraged as you hear how the Lord watches closely over you. Request A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23 when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. That's our online store, calvaryco.store. And if you'd like to help us continue the ministry on this station through a donation, you can do so at AboundingGraceRadio.com. As you do, you'll be helping people across the country and even around the world study and learn of God's abounding grace. Again, that's AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. We're glad you've taken time out for our study in 1 Kings. Join Pastor Ed Taylor all week long as we continue to learn how to live by and grow in God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 